Today we talk to Tommy Peeler about confession. In our churches, we love to use big words. We obfuscate our pedagogy through superfluous grandiloquence, manifesting hubris instead of demureness. See what I mean? Inconceivable. While I might have a speech impediment, I certainly do not want to have a preach impediment. These get in the way of God's message reaching our hearts and minds. Let's dig through those big words and learn something incredible. Tommy Peeler spent almost two decades as a professor in the Biblical Studies Department at Florida College in Tampa, Florida. Even more impressive, he's been preaching God's Word since he was only 16 years old. And you can definitely hear his love for God, his passion for God's Word, and an incredible familiarity with the Bible. Today we set out to discuss the concept of confession from Scripture, and as you listen, you'll grow to understand this deals with more than just sin. Let's jump right in. Well, hi, thank you for joining us on Preach Impediments. And today I've got Tommy Peeler with me. Tommy and I are going to discuss the word confession. Let's start with what I think is the logical first step. Give us a definition for the word confession. Adam, the word that's used most frequently in the Old Testament and is translated with confess and confessed and confessing and words like that, that word is sometimes translated in the Old Testament uh, to give thanks, to give praise. So it's closely connected with the ideas of thanks and praise, uh, the Hebrew word which is used in the Old Testament. The word which is used in the New Testament is a compound word which you take the two component parts and it means basically to say the same thing. And so a lot of people like to focus, and I like to focus sometimes in teaching and preaching, on that aspect of confession, that we say the same thing. In a sense that... Uh, when we are confessing God, we are saying the same thing about God that He that is true. And when we are acknowledging our sin, we are seeing sin as God sees it, as it really is. And in that sense, we're saying the same thing. And in that sense, I think we can also see how the basic Hebrew word, which has the idea of to give thanks or praise, falls together. Because as we acknowledge our sin and say the same thing about our sin that God does, we are giving him glory and praise. Let me give you an illustration of that, Adam, one that does not mention the word confession, but the idea is there. In Joshua 7, you remember that someone in Israel had sinned and taken something in the city of Jericho for personal use, and they cast lots. And in Joshua 7, they find out the lot, the lot falls on Achan. And Joshua says, my son, give glory to God, give him praise and acknowledge what you've done. He is called to say the same thing about his sin that God did. And when we 
say the same thing about sin that God does. We give him glory and we give him praise. That's Joshua 7, 19. I did paraphrase it. So you all feel free to look up that verse on your own. But you will see, I think, that the idea I've expressed is consistent with the context. So I know oftentimes people use the word confession uh, synonymously with the idea of repentance or the idea of asking forgiveness. We talk about confessing to God or a lot of groups will have confessionals and the idea is to go and ask for forgiveness or to go and, and, and admit your sin how would you say, is, is there some similarities there, or is that a bad usage of the word? Well, well, confession, in the sense of confessing our sin, is closely connected with repentance, but, but not identical to it. Uh, in, in Proverbs 23, verse 18, the Bible says, He who conceals his transgression will not prosper. He who confesses and forsakes them will find compassion. I think the idea of forsaking is the idea of repentance, that we turn from the way we were walking and we walk closer to God. We forsake our sin, but also it mentions confessing our sin. Yes, confession is closely tied to repentance, but not identical to it. You may remember when John the Baptist, John the Baptist was baptizing in Jordan, that he was baptizing with a baptism of repentance, the text tells us in Mark 1, 4. But those who came to him were confessing their sins, Mark 1, 5. So there's, there's a close tie between repenting of our wrongs, turning what direction we're walking, and changing the direction we're walking. Okay. So how would the understanding, since you said in the New Testament, you've got the compound word that means to speak the same thing, say the same thing. How would that apply in a context of 1 John 1, 9? Okay. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I would say there, the word confession includes whatever goes along in that package. I mean, that, the idea is not you're going to just say uh, the same thing about the sin, but to keep living in it. So obviously, in, in that context, confessing implies that you're making the other changes that go along with it, uh, like we talked about in Mark 1, verses 4 and 5. But again, we are acknowledging about our sin what God knows, that our sin is bad, that our sin is ugly, that we are guilty. On the verses right beside that, Adam, in verse 8 and verse 10 of 1 John 1, the Bible says if we say that we have not sinned, we have no sin, or then in verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, if we deny our past guilt or we deny our present failure, there's no forgiveness. But if we confess those sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. Again, when I think of 1 John 1, 9, I think it's a good thing to write maybe in the margin of that verse, that passage I referred to earlier in Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who confesses them and forsakes them 
will find compassion. If you don't mind, let me throw in a passage that that brings to mind, Adam. In Psalm 32, David had sinned. And in verses 3 through 5, after he had sinned, the pressure was building up within him until he confessed his sin and acknowledged his transgression. And then it was like the pressure was removed. Psalm 32, verse 5, in context, God is more gracious and more willing to forgive than we are sometimes to acknowledge our sin and turn from it. Well, and that's what I like about John's choice of words there in 1 John 1, 9. Like you mentioned, verse 8 says, if we say we have no sin, verse 10 says, if we say we have not sin, God says we have sin. Yes. <laughs> and God says exactly what our sins yes. are in his word, because if we compare our lives to his word, we can identify our sins. Yes. And so doing, it, we're not coming to God to reveal to God something he doesn't know. Yes. We are not coming to God to say, you know, this, this is something I, you know, I don't want to shock you, God, but here, here's something that's been happening lately. What we're doing to a God is not bringing new information, but we are confessing what God is already saying. Yes. This is sin. You need to stop. And if you can come to God and confess, say the same thing as God about your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive you. And he does that because the beginning of chapter two says, so that we may not sin. That's the goal. Absolutely. Yeah, his purpose is that we don't go back into sin. There's a lot in the book of First John to warn us about sin. I, I thought too, uh, Adam, when you were stating that of Psalm 51, a psalm that doesn't use the word confession, but the idea is all through it. And uh, there in Psalm 51, around verse 4, against you and you only I have sinned and done what's evil in your sight. Like you're saying, his, his statement doesn't shock God. God knows all of this. The sin was primarily against God. And David saying against you and you only I have sinned isn't to deny that he sinned against Bathsheba and Uriah and a whole host of other people, but it is to acknowledge that the worst thing about sin is what it does to God. That sin is a slap in the face of a God to whom we owe everything. And David is fully acknowledging that in Psalm 51. So we've, we've talked about confession in terms of admitting or speaking the same thing to God about our sin. Confession is also used to talk about other, uh, other things we speak the same things about. Uh, dig into that a little bit. Okay. Particularly, you see it in the Bible about confessing who God is and who Christ is. Um, in 1 Kings 8, Solomon's prayer of dedication at the temple, uh, he stated if the people sin and they, they turn against you and they come and confess your name and pray. That's 1 Kings 8, verse 33, 1 Kings 8, verse 35. If, if they confess your name and pray. And uh, that emphasizes that we need to acknowledge who God is, acknowledge what God has said about himself. Uh, 
And Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32 and 33, that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father. If you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, that is also that also appears in Luke 12, verses 8 and 9. We need to acknowledge who Christ is, but it's also Jesus acknowledging us. And what a beautiful thing that would be to be confessed by him. Revelation 3, 5, uh, to the one who's clothed in white garments, Jesus said, I will confess his name before my Father. So that brings to my mind uh, passages like Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. You, you spoke of confessing who God is and confessing who Christ is. There, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. And so there in that verse, we've got the acknowledgement of who God is, the speaking the same things about who God is. And I think that's more than just existence. That's also recognition of the, his character, his works, the, the way he has interacted with us. So you come to God recognizing who God is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, uh, which is that rewarding of us is, like you said, Christ confesses us also. Uh, he is one who acknowledges us and what we are doing in our relationship with him. Uh, all of that's wrapped up in that one verse. Yes. That's right. Uh, Hebrews eleven six is a is a powerful verse. Uh, by the way, also confessing God. The, the word confession is used in Hebrews eleven around verse thirteen when it's talking about Abraham and Sarah uh, and um, those associated with them. And it says that they died in faith without receiving the promises, having seen them, welcomed them from a distance, and confessed they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Confessing who God is often shows us to our true status that we are strangers and exiles here and verse 16, waiting for a better country, a heavenly country. But yes, confessing God is more than just an acknowledgement that he is there, but that uh, his character as revealed in scripture is true and he is a God who longs to save and longs to rescue us from sin. First uh, John 2.23, whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. So there's the specific word is used over in Romans chapter 10, where it talks about believing with your heart and confessing with your mouth Jesus as Lord. And then it goes on a little bit later to talk in verse 13 about calling on the name of the Lord. How does that relate to the concept of confession? Uh, yes, that would be under that category, Adam, of acknowledging Christ, uh, confessing with your mouth Jesus is the Lord, and believing in your heart that God has raised him. And uh, that that it that goes to that. Um, uh, it, it could apply to confessing this before believers, uh, before one is immersed into Christ. 
Um, and it, but it doesn't stop there. Uh, you look in the context of Matthew 10 that we quoted earlier, Matthew 10, 32 and 33, of confessing Christ and denying Christ. The idea is not so much confessing him before a group of believers, but for a group of unbelievers. We, we stand and confess him before we uh, are immersed into Christ in baptism, but it's a confession that doesn't stop there. And Jesus himself is said to make the good confession before Pilate in uh, 1 Timothy 6 and verse 13. And Timothy's called to imitate that in 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 12. Uh, but yes, it is part of calling on the Lord and, uh, and him saving us from our sins. I also think in that regard of Philippians 2 about that we're going to acknowledge Christ, whether it's here of our own free will or one day before his throne, because Philippians 2 verses 9 and 10 uh, tells us that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Powerful uh, passage Philippians two nine to eleven that whole context absolutely and that uh, what I find so fascinating about all of this is confession really is the the idea of coming to terms with truth you know the truth is always going to be revealed the truth is always going to come to light and all you're doing is deciding okay i'm ready to confront the truth i'm ready to agree with truth you said that from the very beginning when we come to god and say the same thing as god what we're doing is really saying truth and that's true whether we're talking about our sin where we're talking about our failures where we're talking about morality god's word and god's will uh, who god is his character his existence who christ is uh, even like you said there in Philippians 2, at some point, all of us will face the truth. Mm -hmm. We'll have no choice. Uh, yeah. You can't put blinders on your eye when he appears in the air and there's, <laughs> it fills your sight. I mean, uh, there, there's really no other option than to come to terms with truth. I always ask this final question, uh, which is, the whole point of this podcast is to take pulpit words and make them available for the pews. What else do we need to say about confession to make sure that happens? Well, there's no better way. We cannot say the same thing with, as God if we're not familiar with what God has said. And I think that one of the things this word should do is lead us to search the scriptures for what he has said uh, on this subject, on any of these subjects that you might discuss, that, that it would lead us to look at what God has spoken in scripture and to let that shape our worldview. Because if we're gonna say the same thing as God, we have to first of all be familiar with what God has said. How do you end on a better note than that? A big thank you to Tommy Peeler for his thoughts 
and his study on the word confession. And hopefully that was beneficial to you too. So a big thank you to you for listening. Let me remind you that if you enjoyed the episode, we'd love to have you leave some comments, let us know what we can do better, or let us know what topics you would like to hear discussed. Don't forget to check out the upcoming Monopisode, which is the episode where I spend some time, just me, filling in maybe some of the gaps that we've left out of the biblical topic that we've discussed today. We greatly desire for you to share this podcast with those that you think could benefit from hearing great definitions and discussions regarding words that we use as we discuss the Bible. And if you are enjoying this podcast, we ask that you will subscribe to it. If you need more information about Preach Impediments, you can find out more at preachimpediments.com.
Thanks again for listening to Preach Impediment.